0: minimalists
1: (laughs) live from the house of blues my name is joshua fields milburn and i am ryan nicodemus and together we're the minimalists live in dallas texas this
2: this is our um eighth tour in seven years and um I could tell you that this is the only city that like, we've gone to on just about every single... So f- for the last six years, we've come to Dallas, and you've been great to us every single time. And so we keep coming back. Thank you so much. The crowds are great. Even when that first tour stopped, it was March 2012... And uh it was at like this little cafe and um nine of you were there. Well actually seven of you were there and two of us I'm were just, there.
1: I'm just curious, like any of the original seven here
2: tonight? We lost them. No. <laughs> May they rest in peace. <laughs> um, but no, we're really grateful and we want to answer some of your questions tonight. So we have a microphone set up over here. We'll we'll start with like five questions. We'll get to as as many of those as we can and uh it's probably a good time to ask your question now because we do like a hug line afterward and other people want to like tell us a whole bunch of life stories and ask questions. I wish I could listen to every single one of them. Um, But now is the time to ask your question because we can't answer everyone's question in the line afterward. Howdy.
3: Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so excited. What's (laughs) your name? I'm Kimberly. My question is, My vision is to create a space for conversation and connection through a cafe. And you know this, Ryan. And I'm at the very beginning of this, and it's like still in my head, but it's going to happen. And that said, having opened your own coffee shop, looking back, what three things would you have done differently? And then secondly, what question do you wish people would ask you?
2: Well, I'll start with that second one, because you, you mentioned the word grace, and uh, one of my favorite musicians is, is a guy named uh, Jeffrey Foucault, and uh, he has a great song, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, it's called Northbound, and there's a lyric in there, he said that uh, grace is just the measure of the fall, and I don't think I really understood that at first when I first heard the song, but I I had a long fall to get here, and sometimes when you're falling, you feel like you're flying. And, uh, you don't realize that it is, it is going to be painful when you hit the ground. Right. And, and, and so, so getting back up from that and, and then it gave me a perspective to understand what other people are going through, um, Uh, whether that's empathy or sympathy or really, I I just look at it as compassion, right? Uh, Understanding what other people are going through because I know what I've, what I've gone through personally. And and, and so, um, people rarely ask us about, about what grace means. And for me, I, it's just an understanding of, of what other people are going through. In terms of opening up a, a business, uh, the, the one thing that I know that I wish I would have done with whether it's the, the blog, which was never a business, it was just a creative outlet, uh, or or the coffee house, it is I would have I would have done both of those things sooner, and because here's the thing, for a while it was an idea in my head, mm-hmm. right. Right. Whether it was writing or whether it was starting a coffee shop. I have an original business plan from two thousand six for starting a coffee shop. We didn't open up a coffee shop until two thousand sixteen. Awesome. And and so it sort of just it just sort of simmered there for a while and actually didn't even simmer, it just got cold and, and uh and, and a
3: little iced coffee. <laughs>
2: yes. And and so I I, I would do it sooner but um the, the if I were to give some advice on it, the things that have worked really well for us is do it with intention okay. and, and what I mean by that is don 't sacrifice your values for money it 's great to make money from a business um, and, and in fact, um, unless you 're a nonprofit you you need to make money as as a business and guess what even nonprofits need to make money as a business right and and so when i when i when i dive into something whether it's a coffee house or writing or whatever money is not the primary driver but i also don't fool myself in thinking that it isn't a driver at all it absolutely is going to be a driver i just don't let it run the show it's going if it's going to be a passenger in the car it's in the back seat i have to acknowledge that it's there and that it's necessary but it's not going to have its hands on on the steering wheel for me uh something that's happened recently we uh, um, well, we're recording this in, in November and, and this month we we have our first physical good coming out and man it has been quite the dilemma even just amongst us and, and, and working it out like the balancing act of being extremely intentional with, with doing a physical good. So for those of you who saw our, our documentary um, I've been traveling with this travel bag for the last six plus years right and uh never gave a second thought like you just saw us in the documentary i was traveling with it well we got over a thousand emails about that damn bag (laughs) baggage and it pissed me off at first because like you just watch a documentary about getting rid of stuff and your one question is where do i get that thing (laughs) And for those of you that I was a little bit belligerent to when you emailed me early on, I'm sorry I didn't have the grace there. Um, because the truth is, it's, it's the one item that's added the most value to my life over the last decade. I mean, it's right up there with my computer, my phone, and my mattress. Um, and and um, <laughs> mattress. I didn't mean for that to be funny, but I totally understand why it was. Um and, uh, and, and, so I've got immense value from it. And so I understand like people or, they didn't have access to this thing. That was, it's like a duffel bag and a suitcase all in one, but at the same time, um, I, I didn't want to like put our name on a physical good, but then the guy who created the bag it, it was discontinued in, in 2012. His name's Malcolm Fontier, and he's an environmentalist. He he runs a nonprofit that that tries to consult companies on how to not use plastic in their products, and so his values really aligned with, with our values. But um, even even so, like I didn't feel like it was the right thing for us to do. But then when so many people said, "Hey, th- I think that would add value to my life," and so what Ryan and I are doing, we're actually launching this this bag next week we have an entire campaign to talk people out of buying the bag <laughs> which which is not like some weird reverse psychology um I, I genuinely don't think it's for most people uh but there is a small sliver the one percent of one percent that may get value from this thing i know i've gotten immense value from it and yes it's probably a shitty business plan right like I, <laughs> Uh, Just like not putting advertisements on our podcast. Patreon. Yeah. Well, well, here's the weird thing. Patreon... Doesn't, it barely keeps the light on. It allows us to pay Sean. Um, we can make seven figures a year from, from our podcast if we put advertisements on it. Uh, we have one of the biggest podcasts in the world, which is really a really weird, weird thing to say. But we refuse to do that because it doesn't align with our values. Uh, at the same way, we still have to find a way to keep the lights on. And so the question is, what can I do that earns revenue that doesn't sacrifice the person I want to be? Thanks.
1: Well, I did not bring a list of things I wanted to thank you for, Kimberly, but...
3: <laughs> it's all right. I forgive you.
1: <clears throat> no, I, I really appreciate you being here and, and everyone else being here. I mean, if y'all didn't show up, it'd be really weird if Josh were up here on stage by ourselves.
3: We have the whole row.
1: <laughs> that is so cool. He
3: bought it for us. That is I'm kidding. He didn't.
1: That is cool. No, no. Uh, you know, the question that... I don't have a question that I wish people asked me. Like, I'm just honored that people want to ask me questions. So, yeah, I, I can't really think of anything that I really wish someone would ask. I've been asked so many questions. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, as far as the business goes, I, you know, I think the only thing I would add to Josh's advice is, uh, and I think we, I, I told you this in an email, yes. um, you've got to build a great team around you. Yeah. Um, like this right now, what is happening, don't get me wrong. Josh and I, we're great. I think we're awesome. Yeah. But, like, this doesn't happen without the sound guys, without uh, Slayer and Chris and, and, and Sean and Jessica and everyone else that is putting this together. Right. Uh, so find a great team. Find people right. uh, that you can trust and that you can count on. Um, not necessarily making them your business partners, but but build a great, uh, a great community around you that's that's going to help you get this done. Because there's no way in the world, there's no way in the world, like, Josh and I would have opened this coffee shop if it wasn't for our team. Uh, the other thing I'll say, too, is um, since you haven't really put a whole lot of action into it yet, pick out your five favorite coffee shops and get a hold of the owner and ask oh. to take him to lunch. Okay. And you would be shocked on how many yeses you're going to get out of five. Okay. Um, it, it, when I, when I, I have a little mentoring business on the side, and when I'll tell my students, like, when they're looking to change jobs, like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I think I like this one thing and maybe I want to do that. Or maybe I want to do this. I'm like, well, find someone who does that and go take them out to lunch or for a cup of coffee. Probably not the coffee shop <laughs> owners don't do that. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but, but, but you'd be surprised. Like you re, you put yourself out there. I, I can't tell you how many times I reached out to people when I was living in Ohio, when I was in the corporate world, just looking at nonprofits, um, looking at um, j- just different, different fields. And I would totally do that. I have friends to this day that I initially met through that communication, me reaching out to them saying, hey, uh, I just want to take you out to lunch and really talk to you about what you do. Yeah. Okay. And and people are usually pretty open to that. So I I think those two things will will definitely help you be successful. But the most important thing is you have to take massive action. Yes. Yes. So start doing that now.
3: Thank you.
2: You're
1: welcome. Thank
3: you for coming.
2: Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Nice to meet you. Howdy, what's your Hi, name? Emily. Where are you from, Emily?
4: Louisiana. We're both college students at LSU, so.
2: Oh, thank you for making cool. the, the drive. Thank you really so much for that. coming
4: here. Tigers! Go Tigers! <laughs> so I'm a college student, and I'm studying to be a dietitian, just like Bex. And I also run a blog, which allows me to support myself through college, and will probably let me go to college to grad school debt-free which is amazing
2: what, what's the blog called That's a awesome. million people listen to this so.
4: it's called Emily Eats uh, but my name is E-M-I-L-I-E um, okay. so I'm a recipe developer awesome um, unfortunately I have to do ads and all that kind of stuff
1: no, but uh, <laughs> no, Josh I would argue <laughs> that with, I would argue that with that attitude she absolutely has to <laughs>
4: Maybe, maybe later. Wait, no, no, hold on. After L- grad school. Wait, wait, wait.
2: Let's talk about this. Why do you have to do ads? That's an interesting thing. That interesting is interesting statement.
4: At least 50% of my income right now. Okay. And I'm just trying to get through grad school debt free. So that's a little bit of a compromise that I have to do right now in order to reach that final value of graduating debt free.
2: Okay. So you have to compromise your values. Right. Okay.
4: But I know, I know the, I know that. I would rather have ads on my site that you can ignore than have to graduate thirty thousand dollars in debt, and okay. that's more important to me.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna push back a little bit, and I really I know, pre- I, know, I, know. I, know I know I appreciate you having this conversation, and uh, I'm not judging you for having ads, by the way. I, I'm just saying if it l- aligned with your values, and mm-hmm. I could tell right now it doesn't because you're you're your trepidatious about right. about having them there. Um, there are some people who do ads really really well. One of my favorite comedians is a guy named Chris D'Elia, and yeah, he has an awesome podcast called Congratulations. Uh, anyone listen to Congratulations? We can, yeah, some true babies here. Um, anyway, um, he uh, he does some advertisements, but he uh, he is like just blatantly honest about it. He goes, "All right, it's time for me to back up the Brinks truck." And, uh, and then he like talks about like, I do the, I'm not doing this podcast for you. I'm doing it for my bank account. And, uh, at least he's like completely transparent about that. And he's hilarious too. So that, that helps. Um, but, um, here's the thing, I could I could go rob a bank and get out of debt as well. That doesn't align with my values either. Now, granted, that's illegal, um, and, and, and so there's other problems within that. But there are a bunch of things we can do to earn money that, that aren't illegal, that don't necessarily align with our values. And, and so I, I just be really careful about letting that, that creep into your life because it becomes a really slippery slope. And there are times where Ryan and I have certainly been like, fuck it, we could just sell out. I just need one year of advertisements, and man... You'll never hear from us again. But, um, but then, of course, like, so what? Then I feel like I'm not doing something as meaningful. And so um, be careful with the compromises. That's a pithy answer for
4: No, me. I totally understand that. And I've thought about that a lot myself. But it's more important for me to do this, which I'm really passionate about, and pour my passion into that, instead of working an office job in college that I don't enjoy. Um, so that's just yeah. a compromise that I've had to make.
1: Yeah. And, and like Josh said, we're not judging. I think right. r- really what Josh is trying to say is like compromising your values, it is a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And if this is the only value you compromise, great. Congratulations. Like you were able to like stop it right there. But it's very easy to be like, well, if I did this other thing, I could make another $30,000. And then if I did this other third thing, I could make another $30,000. So just be be careful, is what Josh is saying. Was that your question? Was it about the no. em- I didn't oh. think so. Emily, keep it's, going. No, it's okay. All right. Um, all right, all right, Emily. Let's start your question. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so my job as a blogger um, is requires me to be constantly connected through social media and through email, which you understand as as self employed, in which a lot of millennials um, are going through, and people that want to be self-employed that don't want the typical nine to five job. Um, but I'm having a really hard time balancing that need to be connected just because that's a way for people to find me, for me to earn an income, for me to support myself, and also living an intentional life outside of social media, which technically my job is to share my lifestyle. Does sure. that make sense?
2: It, it does. So, so what what kinds of things do you share and on what platforms do you use?
4: Um, my main platform is my blog and Instagram. So. Okay. I'm constantly sharing on Instagram stories.
2: Okay, so Instagram stories. Are you sharing? Instagram recipes, and, right? Exactly. And, and then of course uh, bits about your life, and, and and it's surface level stuff. And so uh, it's, this is probably good. So this won't air until January. So it's probably a good time for us to talk about this. We're completely changing our social media strategy in, in 2018, and it's going to not be a strategy anymore. And I think that's the the important thing to talk about. So I was just listening to this this podcast with Lawrence Fishburne on it, who is one of the greatest actors of all time, and he he was talking about how he doesn't have any social media platforms. And the reason he doesn't is his social life isn't very media worthy, he said. And uh, man, did that resonate with me. He also, and I won't do it justice. You can go back and listen. It was on the, uh, a podcast called The Nerdist Podcast. And um, he he was talking about how how the social media side is the veneer or the facade. It's the outer layer. And we're trying to convince people that our internal life is as good as our outer layer. He said he had a friend once who who wore a shirt that said, uh, one day your life will be as good as it looks on social media.
4: That day will never come
2: and, and, that that's interesting though right and so so maybe maybe the answer is uh, we were talking about grace earlier and, and maybe vulnerability is is a component or an ingredient of of grace right and i think I think maybe being vulnerable and honest on social media without being um Tyrese Gibson um, some of you will get that reference um. Uh, uh, you um, you have an opportunity to to not just uh, pontificate uh, your your woes about the world because no one likes that either. That that Facebook has been the home of of uh, woe is me, and then Instagram is the the home of look how. Uh, impeccable my, my life is. Now, thankfully we, we have a social media manager, Jessica, while we're on the road, she helps curate a lot of stuff. She takes some photos, but next year what we're doing is we're looking at what, what we're sharing because I've realized that if that is the actual, the exterior, it's the surface level of social media. Um, and then I want to focus more on using that, that exterior for good and more of like an art project than a way to, uh, as an art project instead of a promotional vehicle. And what I found is if we, if we share things that are compelling to people and add value to their lives over time, they're more compelled to go to the things that are actually going to make, uh, that are going to be influential to their lives. The, the real creativity, what's going on inside. Once you get past the surface of social media, you get to our blog or you get to the documentaries, you get to our books and that's where the real character is. That's where the real vulnerability is. That's where the real grace is, is within that creativity. And so if I were to sum that up, I would say we don't want to let the interior rot so we can have a shinier facade yeah I uh man
1: I have struggled with the same exact thing um I'll tell you I'll tell you what I do with my social media and this seems to work pretty well I pretty much check email once a day maybe once every other day if someone sends me a 3,000-word email, probably not going to check it for a week to a month. Uh, so those will build up sometimes. I will read it, though. Um, or I'll skim it, at least. Like It depends on how many are built up in there. But, uh, but, but my point is, is that I get to set the expectation for the people who get a hold of me. And Josh and I also get to set the expectation for what we put out there in the world. So I would say, you know, since this is a... How long have you um, been doing this?
4: little over two years. Okay.
1: So this is, it's still relatively new. I mean, I, we're, we've been doing this for seven years. What will be seven years next month? And I feel like we just started, like, just last week. Um, so you still have time to set the right expectations. But what I would encourage you to do is, is find a time that works for you every day, if that's what it takes to run your, to run your blog, and, like, take that time, if it's an hour Two hours, three, whatever it is, like spend it during that time. But constantly twitching for your phone, you're not gaining any more, any more fans. Uh, if you talk to them now, or you know tomorrow, 24 hours from now, they're just excited that you're going to engage with them. So uh, you get to set the rules. You get to set the expectations. Be clear on what you want those to be, and do that, and people will accept you. And I'll be honest, like if someone. And I've never had anyone respond back to me and say, "I can't believe you—you know—you took three weeks to answer my three thousand-word email with a one-sentence answer," um, which is like, "What else do you expect? You expect me to write three thousand words back?" Anyway, but that's my point. Someone who would who would come back and be like, "I can't believe you did that," I'd be like, "Oh, okay. I'm sorry that I didn't meet your expectation." Like, I I, I would not be I would not be sorry. Uh, at the end of the day, like I again, I get to set the expectations. So again, find out what works for you and, and and stick to that schedule. And you don't feel like you have to be on every single platform. Like use only what adds value to your audience, what adds value to your to your readers. Like that's really what's gonna help you be successful in what you're trying to do.
2: And, and I think what we're trying to do, uh, so next year to, when Ryan just said you pick the platforms, like there are a million different platforms you're not using, right? You're not using MySpace right now. It still exists. You can find Ryan's MySpace profile and I'm still in his top eight. <laughs> uh, and and you're not using Yik Yak for your business or uh, maybe LinkedIn, I, I don't know. And, and, and the thing is we, we focus on, on well actually in January, we're taking the whole month off. We're not gonna post a single thing. And uh, and just going dark for an entire month, and then we're going to use all the three the three big platforms differently. We're going to use Facebook just to share links and and relevant articles, not necessarily relevant to minimalism, but relevant to living in t- an intentional life. Some things about minimalism, some things outside of that. We're going to use Twitter just for words, no links or anything else there, only to. You know, and then the question is, how do I communicate beauty and, and uh, beautifully and, and artfully with just text? And and it gives me that that additional layer of constraint. And then Jeff is really ramping up her photography skills and, and we we'll are working with some other photographers as well just to share beautiful photos on Instagram. And, and so that will be a different platform for us and we're using those three three platforms completely differently because right now, a lot of us, in, us included for sure, are use those platforms the exact same way. Well, I'm just going to post in triplicate on these three different platforms and it becomes exhausting. And to me, that is is not as intentional as I'd like to be. And it's because it's not as intentional as I would like to be, we're going to, to make a change. The one thing I want to add, I just thought about this. We're going to battle
1: back and forth all night here. No, but I just realized, Emily, this is your second value that you're compromising right now. Like, it's obviously upsetting you, like the way you're using all those platforms. So again, it's a slippery slope. So figure out what aligns with your values and beliefs and start using social media that way. If it's causing you stress, like... Facebook was causing me a lot of stress. I deleted it. I mean, <laughs> hey, Josh, how do you know if someone deletes their Facebook? Don't worry, he'll tell you. <laughs> but that's just, it's like, yes, um, I, people have literally emailed me, texted me, probably haven't gotten a hold of me because that was literally their only form of contact to me. Um, but they're asking me, like, did you unfriend me on Facebook? Like I he just to, says
2: yes every time. I
1: tried to message you, and I'm like, no, I just deleted it. Like it's it's uh, you you have my, you're, we're talking right now. <laughs> you have my email. You got my cell phone number, and like that's how I thought of it too. I'm like, you know what? Anyone who really is super important in my life, they can get a hold of me other ways besides Facebook. So don't don't even feel hesitant to like drop one of them if it's if it's gonna make you more happy in the long run, even if it's gonna cost you a couple thousand bucks. I mean. It's gonna make you
2: happier, it's worth it. One of the most awkward times of my life, Ryan. You are gonna battle back and forth. One of my most, we're done with Emily Eats. Thank you, Emily Eats. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you. Um, One of the most awkward times of my life was um, a few months after we started the website and I I had to call Ryan up and I'm like, I just realized something. You don't follow me on Twitter. And you call yourself, and as soon as I said those words, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, like, we follow each other in real life. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> the only reason it matters, I tried to, like, send him a direct message, and it was like, you're not authorized to, <laughs> I'm like, that son of a bitch.
1: <laughs>
2: Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our
1: a- hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round, where we answer questions, well, usually from social media, but. That'd be weird if we were on our our phones up here while you guys were out there
2: if you're at at home you can ask us questions on uh, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Minimalists and we often answer them on our podcast we try to answer them in a short shareable less than 140 character response we call them minimal maxims and Jessica catalogs all those over at minimalmaxims.com she also live tweets from all these Uh, if if you want to see our pithy answers tonight you can share your own and I'll share your photos as well Uh, hashtag less is now and she'll repost some of our favorites from tonight howdy what's your question you can give us a long question we'll give you a a short-ish answer. We'll probably ramble a bit, too.
5: Okay. My name is Drew, and I'm not from Texas. Where are you from? Uh, Arkansas. Bentonville, Arkansas. Welcome. Yay. Walmart. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was like a stereo.
5: (laughs) I wasn't going to mention it, but you did, so... (laughs) Um, So my question is, how do you influence an ex-partner that you share children with that you want to raise your children to see the value in living a minimalist lifestyle, and how do you continue to guide your children to live this lifestyle even when they aren't with you?
1: Ryan, you don't have kids. Thoughts? Oh, man.
2: So easy to give advice when I don't have kids. You know what I realized uh, about you recently, Ryan? What's it, that? Is so we all the, the five of us went to dinner recently. We just moved to Los Angeles, so it was me and my partner Bex, and uh, our four-year-old Ella, and then Ryan and and his partner Mariah, who we affectionately call Marian, and uh, or Rai-Rai. <laughs> well, yeah, it's you know the Brangelina of uh, um, anyway. So we were we're out to dinner with Marian and and. Uh, Ella is, like, sometimes I feel like she's auditioning for (laughs) Al-Qaeda. And uh, I absolutely love her. And um, she's, I've realized that, like, Ryan doesn't have kids, but he is such a better parent than I will ever be. (laughs) Um, And I think it's maybe, like, fun uncle syndrome or something because, like, he's able to, like, just spend... Forty-five minutes of like sheer playtime with her, and he doesn't get tired. And uh, man, I I'm uh, I, I I watch that, and I just like sit back in awe of your ability to parent, even though you don't have kids. That is a huge compliment, thank you. Uh, but what, you just got to be the coolest kid, dude. That's
1: it. <laughs> that's the that's the trick. But the problem is, like, as as the the as not the parent, it's okay for me to be the coolest kid. Uh huh because I get to leave. If I try to discipline her, she would laugh at me.
2: <laughs> she would be like, "You're funny." <laughs> For the longest time she called him other Josh. <laughs>
1: Where's other Josh? Anyway, um you know, uh what what this situation reminded me of is growing up when um going back and forth between my my mom and dad. Uh it was I mean, I, I could not have been two more uh two opposite sides of the spectrum. So like my mom, who um I mean it was a it, it was what it was. Like it was just a party house and it was just a party every not maybe not every day, but like five out of seven days a week. And then my dad, who was uh extreme Jehovah's Witness, very, very strict Christian. So you can imagine like the internal struggle I'm constantly having going on between two, between two parents. What I'll tell you is that hindsight, what I appreciate about my, my dad is he was, he was always consistent. He always stuck to what he believed was right. And he never compromised what he, what he believed was the right thing to do and the right w- way to raise me. It was, it was, but, but the consistency, that is what I really appreciate growing up. And, and and my mom, like, I, I love her. We have a very great relationship right now. Um, what I can say, though, is, like, being in that chaos, it was – well, it was chaotic, and that's how it felt. So um, that's very anecdotal because, you know, it's just my one experience. But I know that having a consistent parent, even when, like, I voiced that I hated how he did all – you know, the way he punished me and the rules that he made and, and the, the rules that he made me follow, I mean, really – even then I understood like this, that was what was best for me, even though I voiced something different. So I would, I would encourage you to be, to be consistent with your kids. Like that's, what's really going to help them the most because you know, they're, they're constantly thinking, what is mom going to do? What is dad going to do? And when I was thinking that, what is mom going to do? Uh What is dad going to do? I knew exactly what dad was going to do. And, and that's what, uh, again, like just really anchored me as a kid. So I, I would definitely say that as, but when it comes to your ex, um, there's no way to change them. Like, I'm sorry to say that, but there's no way to, like, to, to, to like, change them. But what, what I'll say is that the best way to change someone is to support them. It's to show them respect, to show them that you do appreciate the effort that they're making. So this is difficult in, um, in, in most relationships where you've got uh, parents that are split up, and then they got a kid. Like, my mom and dad did not get along at all because there's so much hate and so much, you know, pain... That both of them wanted to voice at each other, they never, they ne- could, they could not put that aside and just respect one another. If you can put that aside, and you know, even if that partner is stinging you, oh yeah, I'm gonna like go ahead and say this passively aggressive thing to make you mad. Like just let it roll off your back and continue to treat them like an adult and respect them, and they will eventually show that to you back. If they don't, I mean, th- there's really not much more you can do. But I do promise you, like that's usually where people uh, start to. Uh, have really crappy relationships is when they they lose all respect for each other and they show no respect. That 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 a relationship like that, whether it's a uh, a relationship on the periphery or a uh, a, a main um, you know primary relationship, that relationship will never be a pleasant relationship. The respect has to come, whether whether it's deserved
2: or not. Honestly, um,
1: I think especially even in your situation, because like that's the,
2: that's the best way to keep the peace. And I think respect also doesn't mean letting them. Steamroll you either um, I have to go through this this personally and it's weird for me because so I, I my former spouse. Is outstanding. I was just with her last week in, in Dayton, Ohio. We're hanging out. She has new twins now, and the, the guy she's married to has two other kids. So she's got this big old household, and we have a great relationship. In fact, my my former spouse and I have a better relationship now than we did when we were married, uh, by far. Um, and I think she's an outstanding person. We just had different values, and we had different uh, objectives, goals, uh, objectives and goals in, in life, uh, different desires. And uh, but with my partner, Bex, I mean, her and and her former spouse who is Ella's biological father um they uh she has to work really hard to respect him but also uh she stands up for herself and and I th- I think it's really important to not let someone get over on you and and then once you respect them you also and this is the hardest part it's been really hard for me is you have to accept things for the way that they are. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't change or they won't change, but you, you, you will often experience doubt because of other people in, in your life. And it's my thought that it's okay, that, that, that doubt is a sign that shows, it's almost like a barometer. It shows you where you are right now. And realize that where you are is okay. It helps you identify the direction in which you want to travel. And you have to accept the relationship for what it is before you you can even respect the other person. And ultimately, you know, maybe appreciate it for for whatever you got out of it. I mean, including having a child. Um, and and that could be the best gift that you got out of that relationship. But, but it may not be... It, it may not ever be the ideal relationship. Uh, our friend um, Rob Bells, here's my pithy answer since this is supposed to be the light. Oh shit, I forgot. Round. I got to p- come up with a pithy <laughs> answer. Um, uh, he, he says something really interesting about um, <clears throat> you need to have a funeral for the way you wish things were. Yeah, uh, my pithy answer would be if you want to get along with, if you want to get
1: along with your ex, show them respect but leave the emotion out of it.
5: Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you.
2: All right. We, we're actually running out of time. We'll skip our added value. We'll skip right here, right now, and we'll try to do two more. And I apologize to other people who are waiting, but they will kick us out of here.
3: Hi, guys. Howdy. Hello. I'm Julie. Hi, Julie. Hey, Julie.
2: Hi. Thanks
1: for coming.
3: First, thank you. Thank you very much. Josh, first I want to thank you My mother died three months ago from lung cancer.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry.
3: You helped me through that. Mm. Because of that, and you guys, I retire in two weeks.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Congratulations.
3: Yes. I know. Brian, I'm going next spring to Tokyo for three months to see if I want to move there.
1: Nice. You're going to love it.
3: Oh, yeah. Been there last year.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, my question Actually, I only want your opinion on this question because you guys have given me enough tools that I know how to answer my own questions now, which is awesome.
1: I love that. That is, that is really cool. What, actually, my, my mentoring students, um, a lot of them, they will say, you know, I, I, email you, I go to email you sometimes, and then I just ask myself. I'm like, what would Ryan say? Oh, this is what he right. would say.
3: <laughs> I have come That's up great. with 50 different questions, and I keep saying, I already know the answer to that. I already know this. is too easy. Okay, this is one I want your opinion on. <sighs> Will you retire ever, or does minimalism make that obsolete? I know my answer
2: yeah, yeah so- so I've retired at age thirty um uh, yeah, look at us, we're so retired right now <laughs> you know but but i mean if, if you here's a weird stat for you. If you look at, and it's a terrifying stat, American actuary tables show that the average male dies three years after retirement. I'm already way past that. Um, Beating the odds, man. <laughs> um, and, and so, I mean, it depends on what, what we mean by retire. I, I think, yes, ultimately, I think the word retire has become obsolete. Um, it, it means we we walked away from something we didn't find a whole lot of meaning from, and it doesn't always mean that we're walking towards something meaningful, and I think that's what, what happens. And, and so, um, my pithy answer would be, don't walk away from something, run towards something with meaning. Yes. Yeah. Um, man,
1: I, I don't, I, I mean, yes, one day I'm going to collect Social Security. <laughs> yeah. Or not Social Security, but... uh, what is it Social Security? It's
2: 65? Is that what Not when you're 65, it won't be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's now
3: 66.
1: Yeah, right. So, I mean, one day, uh, you know, I plan on collecting that, you know, $20 check each month. Um, And, yes, I will get into my IRA. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, technically, I will retire, um, but I'll never stop working. Like, I'm always going to be doing something. I, I, if it's not, you know, going on the road and, and, and doing this, then it, it's, you know, then I'll, I'll find something else to do. I'll go build my own house or something. I don't know. Like, I, just, I would just pick up another thing that I really love to do and, and, and go focus on that. But I don't ever just plan on uh, just, like, living off of an income and, you know, sitting at home. Or, or, you know, even better, like, just traveling the world all the time. That sounds really awesome. Like, Colin Wright's life... I looked at that and I was like, that sounds really awesome and totally respected, like where he was coming from using minimalism to be able to do this. But man, like when I thought about actually traveling, traveling around as much as him and owning only 50 items, I'm like, I don't think I want to do that, actually. Like, I just want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like I, I will always work. Um, I'm trying to like think of a pithy answer. Um, uh, uh. Minimalism or no minimalism, I'm always going to strive
2: to live a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you, Julie. Really appreciate it. All right, Ryan, let's hop on. Do We'll do one bonus question here. Howdy, what's your name?
5: Hi, my name is Katrina. I'm new to the area. I just moved here in July. I'm super excited that you guys are here.
1: What a bad month to move to Texas.
5: (laughs) I was already in Texas, south of Houston. So I'm also very thankful for all the that you guys are doing. As far as that's concerned, we missed the storm. That's good. Um, So I also want to shout out our minimalist group leader, Misty. Today is her birthday.
2: Where is Misty? Misty she deserves to be
5: celebrated today she worked very hard um so i have been following you guys for since your documentary came out awesome i had started my journey prior to that not too long before that with francine jay's book the joy of less miss minimalist i love her book love her um so when you when i saw your podcast I was like, this is perfect. I can just continually hear this message and help keep myself on track. I was already headed that direction. Thankfully, my husband's on board and he's very supportive. That's great. Um, Minimalism helped me to not... It gave me the tools to help me let go so much more than I originally thought. I thought I was just going to let go of physical things, but then, you know, you let go of emotional things and mentally you let go of things. You're able to have those tools and... um, I was able to help change my way of eating. Um, So last September, I started Keto. And I thought it was super awesome when I heard on the podcast that you had started Keto, and I had to, like, rewind that. Wait, what did he say? That's really cool. Somebody, like, something else that I have in common with somebody I've never met. So, hi, you guys. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm glad we have things in common. But I've been able to lose 83 pounds since yes. September shit. of last year.
1: Congratulations. Yes. Thank that is Thank awesome. you so much.
5: I'm so excited about it. And just, like, minimalism, I... Learned this from my coworker. She taught me about keto, and I was already learning about minimalism, so I taught her about minimalism, and we kind of transferred those things and taught and learned from each other, so we call each other converts. You know, we brought each other to the other side. And I'm so thankful to have people in my life that'll encourage me to be better and encourage me to make myself better. Um, and with minimalism, she's going to sell her house, retire with her husband and travel the world until it's she awesome. can no longer do it. So I love this journey and I love that you guys are sharing your journey with us and encouraging us and giving us tools. My question for you has to do with food. I'm sorry, long-winded. It has to do with food because it's not easy Ryan, I think it's so awesome that you're joining him and being supportive. Um, it's hard for my husband, so I don't ask him to do it. I just journey on and I try to encourage him. But I can't make him a minimalism. I can't minimalist and I can't make him go keto either, but no. I can encourage him. Um, so my question is, even though it's it can be difficult to change your way of eating, whether it's to be fit or to heal your body from the inside out, what have you enjoyed about keto? What is—is is there something that you found enjoyable that maybe you weren't expecting? That's my question.
1: Man, uh, it's so crazy. Like now, after doing this diet, um, I—if anything has sugar in it, I, like right away, I'm like, there's sugar in this.
2: Like, even if, if it's not thing, a thing that you, you would think would
1: have sugar. Right. Like, way. yeah, like you get like a salad dressing or just some kind of like random sauce on the side or whatever it is. And I'm like, I taste it. And, I, and like instantly, I'm like, oh, there's probably like three tablespoons of sugar in that thing. Um, I, I really love how it has helped me pay attention more to, uh, to things like that. I mean, it is uh, to the point of, um, I, I feel like I have this like special power now. I can like <laughs> taste sugar. Um, but, uh, but no, the I lamest
2: Lame is superpower. I know,
1: right? <laughs> uh the other thing too is god like um i just enjoy uh simple things like so much more so what i would typically do i was trying to do like a paleo intermittent fasting thing and i always did this um like can of uh, coconut milk maybe just a couple berries and um some avocado you know just make a smoothie uh, it was it was good and it got me by and it fulfilled me. But like now, when I make that, it just because it has like a little bit of berries in there and like some uh, you know like one hundred percent cacao, it's like it's heaven. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll make a shake and Mariah and I will split it and we're just like the whole time like this is the best thing we've ever had, um, because we've cut out so much sugar out of our diet. So like the way I feel, um, my my uh, superpower that I have now. And, and, and the way that
2: I enjoy food more, um, uh, that's, those are the things I appreciate about it. I uh, was a, a vegan for a year, and then I was a pescatarian for nine years after that. And I still eat a primarily plant-based diet. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. You were a vegan for 11 months. That's true. We, we bet a dollar that uh, one of us could be vegan longer, and Ryan won. I won a year.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yes, and he still owes me a dollar. And... <laughs> I paid you that dollar. Um, anyway, uh, you can't prove that I didn't. Uh, and, and and so and then I was a pescatarian for nine years, which was a bad decision because I have mercury poisoning, really, really, really bad mercury poisoning. That's the reason I'm doing keto right now, actually, is to get rid of this mercury uh, along with uh, a bunch of... Chelation therapy and some other things I have to do, but um, the the thing that that I enjoy most about the diet now that was shocked me the most was uh, I had to go back to eating meat and I if it was it was meat as medicine like I would go somewhere like I'd go to Chipotle and say give me one little cube of. Steak and I would force myself to eat it, uh, but I've acquired a taste for it and i I still can't say that like oh yeah, I really look forward to it but i've I've been able to enjoy it but i I also look at my food very much as 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 nourishment and in that case as medicine like i um i i, I do have issues with um making sure that the the food that we eat is ethically raised and and go way out of my way someone's Snapping their fingers there. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to be careful about what, what I put into my body, but I also want to be conscious of you know, uh, the pain and suffering of other conscious animals. And, and so uh, I think we have to be really careful about you know, that, that balancing act. The thing that I enjoy most is uh, purple chocolate ice cream that I make for Ella. It's just, uh, well, I think it's over on, on Bex's blog, um, minim- minimalwellness.com. Uh, Ella loves it, and she doesn't know that it's keto. She would just laugh at me if I told her it was. Thank you so much for your question. Thank you very much. All right, we'll sneak in one more rapid question, and then we really do have to wrap it up.
0: Hi. Howdy. I'm Karina.
2: I'm from Michigan,
0: but I was in Los Angeles for 10 years and now Dallas for six, seven years. Thank you. So my question is related sort of to that move. It's about people. I think one of the most influential things you've done for my life is help me um, change the people around me you know, it's like that quote you say.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you.
0: Right, right, exactly. So in LA, because the traffic's so hard, it's hard to have a really big social life because you just cancel, so you just flake. You'll know that if you haven't learned that already. But here, it's so social. It's so social, and I moved here knowing no one, so I had to spend a lot of time meeting people. Until I had so many friends, I was like overwhelmed with all the parties and all the things to go to, and I'm like, I miss myself. Like when I was in LA, I focused on myself. So I've been focusing, and about a year now, now I've got my inner circle that I spend time with, but I still see people constantly all the time, and they're like, hey, when are we gonna get that lunch? Hey, aren't we going out, you know, soon and yeah, let's to get, get together. And I feel like I just blow people off a lot and like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just wonder if you have examples in It's, it's life. non-committal, yeah. basically,
2: right? It, yeah. It, it, where, where you're like, yeah, we really should get the. I've seen memes like this where, where people are like, yeah, next week we'll get the coffee. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad friend. Uh, and, and then like we just keep going back and forth. Here, here, here's what I say. Commit to something. And that doesn't mean saying yes to it. It means saying no or yes. And, and mm. uh, you're going to have to get really good at saying no in, in a way that isn't, uh, you, you don't want to be an asshole to, mm. to your friends, right. but you you have to let them know what you're saying yes to. And so instead of pushing it off, we, what we do is we push it off. Yeah, uh, reach out to me next week and then I'll say maybe next week and then uh, a week later you'll say maybe to me. And, and the truth is, Many of those people are just as busy as you are, mm-hmm. and, and they have just as rich and fulfilled social lives, and, and they're worried about just as many commitments, and sometimes when you say no to them, it's a huge relief because they all of a sudden don't feel that same obligation that, oh yeah, like I really like her, I just don't have the time to spend right now. And so by you saying no, sometimes it lets someone else off the hook, but also it allows you to say yes to that which is most important. So in Missoula, Montana,
1: I experienced this same exact thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and in L.A., I haven't experienced the flakiness yet, but I certainly, I mean, I really haven't because we've been on tour, so I haven't really had a whole lot of time, but I have made some friends and had people over for dinner and stuff. Um, so I'm like building my circle now. But what I did in Missoula was this. Uh, I had like my inner circle. I don't know how many people there were in that inner circle. I mean, I'd have to, I mean, I could tell you, but I have to sit here and think about it, um, but I don't want to get snapped at again. Um, so uh take that inner circle and like that's your core right uh everything else that i looked at to me was the fear of missing out like to me it was like oh man here are people i really want to hang out with on the periphery of this inner circle uh but outside of that circle there's a whole other circle i mean th- there are thousands of friends right. uh you know that, that i could have there are thousands of friends that you you could have so it sounds to me like you are having that fear of missing out and you've got to be able to tell yourself when to stop when it comes to these relationships. And w- the other thing I'll add, too, is the people who you say no to, uh, they're, they're still going to be there when, uh, when you know, w- so someone from your inner circle moves away. Like, I loved it and hated it when I had, like, someone from my inner circle move away from Missoula. Because mm-hmm. it is a very much, like, transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I did not, I definitely didn't have the same core of friends uh, at the end that I started with in the beginning of Missoula. And it was great because then I could bring in other people. Awesome. Like, I'm going to start hanging out with this person more. And guess what? Sometimes I go hang out with someone that I really want to hang out with and realize, like, oh, we really don't actually have that much in common. Um, But uh, one tactic I'll say, though, to keep that outer circle kind of, like, still uh, in contact is, like, anytime you have, like, a get-together, you know, five or more people, like, just invite some of those people so you can at least see them every once in a while. That's how I kind of always uh, stayed in touch Um, And and that worked really well. I would have loved to have spent more time with those folks, but I still like incorporated them as much as I could when I could. But like having a nice big gathering, or if you're going to a big gathering, Mm -hmm. I would always say like, hey, can I bring a few people? And usually they're like, yeah, no problem. And then I call some people up and ask them to come with me.
0: Okay. But just how do you say no, though? You just say no? No,
2: no, no. no. What what did I say earlier? You don't tell them no. You say yes to something. Tell them what you're saying yes to. I'd love to go to lunch with you. But, and be honest with them. I'm gonna go home
1: and I am going to relax. I am so exhausted. And if they're going to look at you and be like, oh, she doesn't like me. And and, and they're gonna like make all these judgments and they don't ever talk to you again. Great, you've already filtered them out.
0: (laughs) Thank you.
2: Here's how you get good at saying no. You practice. We're gonna wrap it up. I wanna thank a few people here. Let's thank the House, the house of Blues. We'll give them a round of applause for being here tonight. Yeah. Woo. What a great venue. They, they allow us to cram six or 700 people into a relatively small space and we're grateful you decided to be here. Um, I wanna thank uh, Jessica for, for doing all the live tweeting and posting and everything else. Thank you, Jess. We're on the road, and it takes a lot of work to do what we're trying to do here, and we couldn't do it without the man lurking in the shadows in the back. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast, Sean. Oh, one last person I want to thank tonight, and that person is you. You spent some money to get in here tonight. We're really grateful for that, but you also gave up your two most precious resources, your time and your attention, and we're really grateful for that. And if y'all leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time, y'all. Thank you, Dallas.
3: Thank you. Thank you. The
0: (laughs) minimalists.